you're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome along to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. As always, it's myself, Colin Kelly, bringing you the show. Hopefully you had a good week since we last talked on the show. This week we're we'll joined by John Arnett of Backpack NFL and we preview all the games with him from both just a picks perspective and of course an against the spread on betting perspective. So looking forward to getting John on the show in just a little moment. As always, starting the show, thanks for downloading. Hopefully you've been enjoying the recent content. There'll be more and more guests coming up now in the next couple of weeks since I've got settled here in Melbourne. We'll be getting on more people to give their thoughts as well as my own thoughts on all things NFL. And looking forward to some of the guests we have lined up in the coming weeks. Uh, you can give us a rating or comment on iTunes, just Stitcher, tune in, whatever you're listening to us on. Of course, you hit that subscribe button, get the show instantly once it goes live. Each and every show, we'll be doing two shows a week for the foreseeable future, hopefully all the way through to the Super Bowl. So, lots of fun things coming up to get listening to. But I guess, uh, you know, without any further ado, let's get into the picks. It's always the most important part of the show, and let's do that right now. Want to know who's going to win every NFL game this weekend? It's time for the OTI Weekend Preview. Joined back on the show by John Arnett of uh, BetDeck NFL. We've had him on a number of times in the show, and to be honest, it's been uh, quite too long since we've had you on last, John. It's, uh, it's great to have you back on the show. Thank you, Colin. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, we had fun scheduling this with me being uh, now moved to Australia, you living in Florida, and of course we'll be <laughs> talking about the Jaguars in just a little moment, uh, and that's where your, your kind of closest team is, and uh, you've always advised me not to back the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, but maybe this week could be a spot where we will be taking them, but we'll, we'll leave that for the listeners just to ponder for a, a little moment. But <laughs> Deal, well, we'll call them up. <laughs> I do hope you've been taking my advice there. <laughs> yeah, I have been so far uh, this season, but it seems to be maybe there is just a little bit of a turning point. But the, uh, there's a lot of interesting games coming up this week, uh, both from a betting perspective and from just a, a weekly game perspective. A lot of interesting situations. We have the most 5-0 and o teams that we've ever had at this stage of an NFL season. So then, hence ways, you're going to have more teams that kind of, you know, the 1-4 and four range and so on and so forth. But... The teams around the league, uh, there's a lot of teams this week just looking at the spreads. I'm, I'm kind of taking the side of the underdog, but I don't know how you're going to go on them. But we're going to start off with uh, Buffalo versus Cincinnati this game. And Buffalo-Cincinnati on a real roll at the moment. Andy Dalton looking like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I would say, you know, if you if you forget about every other season and just look about this season, you'd probably put them up there you know, in the top four or five. But we're all kind of waiting for a meltdown. But the longer this goes on, the longer we're kind of thinking maybe... This is uh, the real Andy Dalton we're seeing at the moment. But they're going into Buffalo. Buffalo with uh, a very solid defense, a good home advantage at the moment. And they got a, a narrow, narrow win last week in a very, very dull game against the, the Tennessee Titans where the Cincinnati Bengals went and bet the Seahawks at home. So a big game here for the Seahawks. They are 5-0. and A lot of teams don't make it to 6-0. But your thoughts on the game as a whole? Tyrod Taylor possibly missing this one. It looks like it's going to be E.J. Manuel starting, but Taylor's still giving himself a little bit of hope as we record this one. But... It's going to be a big swing depending on the quarterback. What are your thoughts overall? I don't think this coaching staff or the last coaching staff had any faith in E.J. Manuel either. So, uh, uh, you know, Buffalo is a team that uh, uh, you're right. You're right. Very, very good on the defensive side of the ball. And if Tyrod Taylor is, if he really is what he was through the first three or four weeks of the season, then I think Buffalo is a legitimate playoff contender. But I still think that's an if there. I still think that's a big question mark there, the quarterback position. And so I – I'm staying away from Buffalo this week. How about you, Colin? Yeah, it's a, an interesting one. I'd be almost tempted to, to go with Cincinnati, just with the form they've been in. But again, you always start to wonder just with teams going, you know, 4-0, and 5-0, and can they keep it going? And it's just a tough spot. I think it could be a good spot for Buffalo. And as you mentioned, with the, the quarterback situation, you know, if, if Taylor does start the game, and he, you know, he has been running a lot, he is a mobile quarterback. If he does get hit, that knee could go out on him. They're missing a lot of pieces on offense. They might be getting Sammy Watkins back this week. But with the likes of LaShawn McCoy still very much questionable, uh, just you have to wonder offensively. Defensively, they're getting the job done each and every week, but offensively, they might just not have enough. And they only scored those 14 points last week. Quite luckily, quite lucky on the road to beat the Titans in a game maybe yeah. the Titans look good. Yeah, over. yeah, yeah. They, they really stole that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, and you're right what you say about the Bengals. Uh, and not only do we uh, 
seem to see this from some team every year. Some team uh, go out to four or five wins and then collapse. We've seen it from the Bengals before, yeah, recently. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, over the last couple of years, and this is sort of routine for the Bengals now. So you're right. Everybody is sort of holding their breath, waiting for the collapse, no doubt. Because you always look at defenses. You know, a lot of talk, obviously, about Buffalo. Cincinnati's not been talked about as much, but they're starting to pick up a little bit of, bit of momentum here. A lot of sacks on the season, a lot of turnovers. They're playing very, oh, yeah. very well defensively. And then when you look offensively, you know, A.J. Green, uh, two very good running backs in Hill and Bernard, although Hill is probably not living up to expectations, but still a very valuable piece to them. Then you go uh, with Tyler Eifert, and then they have other weapons around the team as well. So I think uh, offensively they look very good. I think offensively they offer a lot more than Buffalo, and it's it's just a really hard one for me to call. But uh, just with home field advantage, with the Buffalo Bills being at home, I think I would say the Buffalo Bills might scrape out this result, and the Bengals might pick up their first loss of the season. I'm not going to pick it. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. To, to be sporting, I'm going to go in the other direction. It's also not one of my favorite games, but I will say Cincinnati minus three and a half. How about that? Well, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Of course, as game time approaches Sunday evening, if uh, EJ Manuel's starting for the Buffalo Bills, maybe I'll have to I'll have to you know shy away from that. Their prediction of a Buffalo <laughs> win, but. Next up on the card is the Cleveland Browns and the, the Denver Broncos, this game in Cleveland. The, the, the Browns have been very surprising in a way that in the games you think they're going to have a result, they, they play really, really poor. We thought they would get a result uh, in a number of games this season where they've gone on to lose. And then games where you think they're going to lose, they go on and win. A huge win for them in Baltimore last week, a place that they you know barely have ever get a result. Uh, Joe Flacco had a, such a good record against them. And, you know, Coach Harbaugh as well. So they've picked up a win last week in a spot you wouldn't expect them. Then they're going to be four and a half point underdogs at home to Denver this week. Denver won in last week in Oakland. And Oakland offensively didn't do a lot last week. And it's again down to the defense of the Denver Broncos, which has been sensational this season. And, you know, if this team didn't have a solid defense as it has so far, I think they'd be in big, big trouble. They've won every game this season. It looks rosy for the Denver Broncos, but at some point there's definitely going to be a loss in the cards. And this here might sound crazy to you, John, but uh, I think I would be siding with the points here for the Cleveland Browns. Well, you know what, actually, Colin, this is my one of my favorite games of the week, not only to bet, but it's just such a fascinating game to me because when you look at Cleveland, they're a team that has been surprising on just about every level. Right now they have a really good offense. I mean, you mentioned Josh McCown. He's thrown for, what, nearly 1,200 yards in the last three weeks. Uh <laughs> Henchman, wake me up. But their defense has been, yeah, their defense has been really bad in Cleveland, though, and it's such a surprise because Mike Pettin uh, is a defensive guy, and there's some some personnel there in Cleveland, especially in the secondary. And so you keep, or at least I keep, expecting them to be better defensively. But they were bad last year, finished last in the league in run defense last year, and really they haven't shown much signs of improvement on that side of the ball this year. But yeah. the offense has been so good. And then you look at Denver. And to me, Colm, I think this is an emperor with no clothes type situation. <laughs> You're right. They're undefeated. Yeah. And not only are they undefeated, they're 4-1 against the number. I mean, they've been a good team to back. But you know what? The, the teams they beat, I was looking at earlier today, the teams they beat, combined record of 6-18. and 18, They have just not beaten anybody any good. In every one of their games, they have looked eminently beatable. Uh, I think this is one of these things where it, it sort of looks like a rat, smells like a rat. Denver looks like a not great team, smells like a not great team, despite what the record might tell you. Uh, I believe that Denver is not a particularly good team. Now, because the AFC West is so soft this year, they still might be able to cruise to a, a division title. But uh, I also like Cleveland this week. I emphatically like Cleveland plus four points. And let me ask you this question, Colin. I can't even believe we're asking this question. Who's going to be the best quarterback on the field on Sunday in this game, huh? Um, I imagine saying that there at the start of the season. Who's I know, I know. But uh, you have to say um, he's been playing very, very well, and they're putting up big numbers. You know, there's a lot. Of, they don't have really anything on offense going into the season that you'd be too uh, happy about for. That's for. what I mean. It, it's incredible. that you, You'd expect this team to be terrible on offense, and if anything, you'd expect Mike, Mike Pettin to craft a pretty good defense. And it's been the complete opposite yeah. of that, really. But uh, I have to say, Gary Barnage, although I don't know if he'll ever grow into a household name, has been absolutely phenomenal the last couple of weeks. Looks unstoppable. So we'll see here how uh, Denver yeah. come with He's really, yeah. if you stop him, you're stopping the, the Cleveland Browns this week. But You're right. He, the, he's McCown's favorite target, no doubt about that. The Broncos will be missing DeMarcus Ware in this. He's likely to miss two games, so it's going to you know dampen their defensive caliber a little bit. But you know with the pieces they have, Akeem Tlaib's playing very, very well. And then they have Ward in the secondary. They also have uh, Vaughn Miller, who, I don't know, how you're going to stop him. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, Denver's problem is the offensive line. You mentioned Cleveland not being good running the ball. Well, Denver hasn't been good ru- or against the run. Cleveland aren't good, but Denver hasn't been good uh, with running the ball. So we'll right. see how it goes there. It's going to be an interesting right. match, but 
oh, call me crazy, I'm going to take the Cleveland Browns to win this game outright and against the spread. Well, I, I, I think I'm going to pass on the uh, money line portion <laughs> of that just because uh, the Browns are the Browns. They've blown a couple of games this year and they should have won. But I think that's very realistic, and I am playing on Cleveland plus four. Yeah, it's uh, some of the listeners. Plus four and a half is even better. Yeah, <laughs> so, some of the listeners out there will know that... Um, you know, I haven't picked a lot of underdogs this season. I said earlier in the show, this week I feel like there's so many underdogs that you could uh, take, and I'll be taking quite a few of them as we go through the show. But I think uh, when you look at uh, any underdog and you're backing them, you know, and it's a lot of the time when you look at the statistics, a team that if they do beat the spread, a lot of the time they go on to win the game outright. They usually, it doesn't, you know, they're not going to lose this game by three points. So there is a chance that they go on and win it then when it's that close of a game. You mentioned the oh, yeah. yeah. So I always uh, sprinkle a little bit on the money line as well. But when you mentioned the Broncos as well, every single game I think they have won this season, it has come down to the fourth quarter and then anything, a fumble, anything can happen in the fourth quarter. And uh, we'll see how the Cleveland Browns do this week. I'll be, not many times I, I take the Cleveland Browns, but this week I will be. But um, <laughs> Next up then, the Kansas City Chiefs against the Minnesota Vikings. The Chiefs really, really struggling. And, of course, the devastating blow to them that Jamal Charles is out for the rest of the season. So with him goes basically their entire offense. I was hoping for big things this season uh, from Travis Kelsey. You know, picked him up in many, many fantasy leagues. But he started the season on like a house on fire in week one. And it's been very quiet since. So maybe they go back to passing it a little bit more. They have Jeremy Macklin. But uh, this Minnesota team... You know, uh, I, I'm expecting them. They were very unlucky in their last outing against the Denver Broncos. I think they're really just going to they're going to go to town on this Kansas City t- team because I think that uh, last result against the Bears and uh, losing Jamal Charles could be the the death nail in this team's season. Yeah, listen, Kansas City is awful, and I tell you what, I, I'm I'm aggravated at this team, aggravated at myself because you know heading into the season, I thought Kansas City might surprise some folks, no, I and I bet. Yeah, and I bet on them week one against Houston, and they looked so good in that game and dominating the Texans. To me, it sort of validated mentally what I thought about the Chiefs. And so what did that lead to? That led to me betting on the Chiefs in two of the next three weeks. Uh, Lost both bets, of course. And frankly, I would have played on the Chiefs last week against Chicago had it not been for losing on them two times recently. So I, I, I let the fact that I lost on them scare me off of the bet, and thank God I did. Can't believe they went on to lose that game outright. Uh, yeah, obviously Jamal Charles is the engine of that offense. They get it to him every single way they can. Uh, irreplaceable. I, I know West and Nile Davis, and I know they just signed Ben Tate, but you can put all three of those guys together, and they don't equal one Jamal Charles. Uh, look, uh, Alex Smith, Captain Checkdown Charlie here, is going to have to start taking some chances down the field. It's not like we've never seen it before in an Andy Reid offense. We saw it for years in Philadelphia. Uh, and Jeremy Macklin, he has somebody who can get down the field, but I just don't know if he can do it. And at this point, I, I, I'm not sure if it's anything except for just the way Alex Smith likes to play football, just doesn't like to take too many chances. And, yeah, the, the Kansas City offense is going to put some folks to sleep over the next few weeks. And, yes, I, I also like Minnesota in this game, uh, and I, I'm going to lay the points, yes. Yeah, and when you look at the, you know Kansas City, I'm a, I, I might be one of the last ones left, but I'm an Alex Smith defender, and... Uh, you know, just watching these games recently, I don't know if it's him, I don't know if it's Andy Reid. It has to be a combination of them both. But the, the play calling has been so conservative. I've watched them in a number of games. They played the Green Bay Packers a few weeks ago and I watched that game. I think they had a four-minute, two-minute drive in it. <laughs> you know, they're you know down by 20 points and they're just trying to go up in you know, five-yard chunks up the field. And just you have to take away, you know, take the leash off. Sometime you're, you know, now you're one and four on the season. You know, there's no real difference this week if they lose by one point or lose by 20 points. You have to go for it, throw the ball downfield and see what you can get out of it because you've just lost your star running back. And if you're having any hope of saving your season, you really have to go for it. But I don't think we'll see that this week. I think we'll see the same old Kansas City Chiefs minus Jamal Charles, which is going to be even worse. And then I think uh, Adrian Peterson and the Minnesota Vikings, along with Teddy Bridgewater, will get the job done. I'm taking the the Vikings in this one. We'll bounce on to uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. And uh, they're at home this week to the Houston Texans. This game, I think, opened with uh, with Houston being a one-point favourite, but now uh, we have Jacksonville Jaguars a one-point favourite in this one. At home, you've often told me to, to leave the Jaguars alone. I've private messages to see your thoughts on the game, <laughs> and uh, I wonder are your thoughts any different on this one. Jacksonville, Houston, can the Jags get a win here? Uh, you know, I think the Jags have a legitimate chance to win this game. I think this is going to be sort of uh, ugly and relatively low scoring, even though neither defence is particularly good. Uh, but no, I mean, this is not going to be a game I play on this week. It's not one of my favorite games, but 
gun to my head, I would take the Texans in this situation. Uh, as you know, uh, last week, Colin, the, the Texans, that offense looked totally different after Brian Hoyer came in the game. Now, a, a, a different conversation is what about Ryan Mallett on the sideline? Good Lord. Uh, it, it made some entertainment, uh, entertaining viewing, but I, I'm not sure if I'd be keeping him on the team if I was O'Brien after that uh, after that display. I mean, you can't convince me that he was rooting for his team. But anyway, that's... Is he, is he, the, is he the most childish quarterback in the history of the NFL? He seems I mean, so, my so God, man. Huh? At least put on a good face <laughs> when you're standing on the sideline yeah, and your yeah. team is trying to, to mount a comeback. Uh, but anyway, I, I don't think that's going to have much of an effect this week because I don't think Mallett's going to see the field uh, unless Hoyer gets hurt. And, you know, the Jags, uh, similar to what we talked about with the, with the Cleveland Browns, you know, and I, and I know here in Jacksonville, uh, a lot of people, uh, they tr- because Gus Bradley's a defensive guy and he came from Seattle, a lot of people are trying to sort of uh, mm, put something on the Jaguars' defense. And they have, you know, people are always trying to say, well, they're improving defensively. Well, they're getting better defensively. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, Colin, they're just not very good defensively. And through the first few weeks, their stats were decent against the run. And so people were saying, well, you know, this year they're good against the run. They're not particularly good against the secondary. That was mainly because they played teams over the first few weeks without sort of run-first mentality. We saw last week when they played the Tampa Bay Bucks, Jameis Winston looked totally lost in that game. The Jags still could not stop Doug Martin when they knew it was coming right at him. Uh, so, you know, it, it's not a good defense in Jacksonville. The offense, it's par for the course. They were averaging 15.5 points per game heading into last week. And, and look, Colm, you sort of alluded to it. I've been really negative about the Jags for a few years now because there's been so much to be negative about. And it, it is frustrating uh, here locally. So many of my friends and so much of the fan base uh, is positive about certain things that uh, for example, I'll just give you a quick example. The Jacksonville offense, like I said, last in the league in points per game, heading into last week, 15.5 per game. You know, they mustered, what, 10 or 13 points against Matt Hasselbeck and the Colts in a, a must-win game. Yeah. Anyway, just atrocious on that side of the ball. And yet, if you talk to your average Jaguar fan and you go position by position, here's the way they'll, they'll tell you. They'll say Blake Bortles is a good young quarterback. They'll say that T.J. Yeldon, real fine in this year's draft, sort of a long-term answer at the running back position. They'll tell you the Jaguars have a good young core of wide receivers led by Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns, the guys really come on. You know, everybody has positive things to say about the wide receiver group. And they'll say good things about the offensive line. A great addition in Parnell this year at the right tackle. Brandon Linder at the right guard. Even though he's injured now, you, you hear all this talk about how he's Caldwell's best draft pick, etc., etc. People still have high hopes for Luke Jokel. So, in other words, you say positive things about the offensive line, the quarterback, the running back, and the receivers – and you're averaging 15.5 points per game. Yeah. Something is broken here. Uh, you, you can tell me it's a coaching. That's fine. This is the first year the new offensive coordinator, Greg Olson. Listen, uh, until I have evidence that something is getting fixed, and I don't see that evidence. I hear a lot of people saying they're turning the corner. Uh, if going 4-12 four, tw- four and 12 or 5-11 and 11 equals turning the corner, I guess last year they were 3-13, and 13, so that would be a one- or two-game improvement. Then maybe they are turning the corner, but... Uh, looking at this team, looking at the rest of their schedule, I do not see any more than five wins. And look, they got a chance to beat the Texans on Sunday, but I'm going with Houston. Yeah, well, you mentioned the game against the Colts. They should have won that, mainly down to issues kicking the ball. But uh, then when you move on to last week, I've said on many shows, usually because of your advice, I've said that this team needs eventually, they have been improving, but they need to start winning. And I think this is Gus Bradley's last year if he doesn't get a, a you know a more positive record and I said before last week's game Tampa Bay Buccaneers although they're on the road that's the sort of game that you have to be winning you know the two worst teams last year in the NFL you need to be winning that and now you're going to play a team that's on a real quarterback merry-go-round changing quarterbacks even in different drives and I think if you look at this game this is a game that if Gus Bradley wants to be in the job next season they have to win I think they'll be really up for it at home you know how much can you count on that but I just think Bartles has a slight injury coming into this game but I do agree with you that offensively maybe this team is just a little bit too young you know they've all been drafted in the last two or three years so maybe that there's actually no veteran leadership really but I'm, I'm going against you here I'm going with the Jaguars so go Jaguars go, go the UK Jaguars oh, okay deal I'll tell you what I, I, won't, I won't be upset if I lose that one and, and you know you're right about the young offense Maybe if they weren't $30 million under the salary cap, they wouldn't be so young. But that's a different conversation, Gal. Yeah, a game, <laughs> a game here that we're, uh, 
I think we'll bounce through fairly quickly the, the Chicago Bears going to the Detroit Lions uh, uh-huh. you know Alshon Jeffrey I don't know is he still playing for the Chicago Bears has he disappeared this hamstring injury really uh, lingering on into the season uh, nothing really to see here is there uh, I do not believe so. I mean, I, listen, I, I lean towards the Lions at home, but I sure wouldn't throw any money at him. Throw any money at him right now. Yeah, it's just been a train wreck of a season for them. We thought that the Bears were in a train wreck situation with them starting to trade away players uh, after the game against Seattle. They won their last game against the Chiefs. They could win again here, and they bet the Oakland Raiders as well. So maybe things turning around, but I don't see anything long term for them. This is kind of a, a, a basement battle for the uh, division here, and I think. As you say, home field advantage, go for Detroit, but it's not a game that I'm excited about. Just as suppose when we're on Detroit, have you been surprised at how big a mess this has been this season? How disappointing Matthew Stafford has been and Calvin Johnson seems to I, just have fallen off the cliff altogether? I really have, and, and, and I've been surprised, and, and I, you know, uh, Detroit was one of the few I get right. No, but I, I, heading into the season, you know, I thought I picked Detroit to have a, a losing record in the, in the handicapper's guy we do every year or every summer or whatnot. Uh, but no, I, I didn't see anything, uh, didn't predict anything close to this. Uh, obviously, you thought that defense was going to take a big step back just with the personnel losses and the fact that they played so well last year. Uh, but yeah, the offense, I mean, it's maybe it's Matt Stafford, maybe it runs deeper, but it's been a couple of years now. I mean, it's not just a, a sudden drop off yeah. for this offense. It's been a few years since this offense really been had it going. Uh, and last year, if you remember, the Lions, you know, the defense really drug them through the season. Uh, the offense was not particularly good last year, but to answer your question, no, I did not think Detroit was going to be 0-5 through five games, certainly Yeah, not. well, this year game we'll see uh, the two two brothers playing against each other. You have Matthew Stafford playing with Jay Cutler, so Jay Cutler being Matthew Stafford's <laughs> older brother. They're almost like twins. I, I think, you know, stick the two of them together. It's 1A and 1B. Mistakes are going to happen. There's going to be turnovers <laughs> in this game. Uh, last season they ran the ball so much in Detroit to help take care of you know the turnovers and that this year they're not running the ball at all. The offensive line's horrendous, and uh, it's been a really, really issue, but not going to be a nice game, but I uh, suppose home field advantage. I'll just lean towards Detroit. Next game, major major hot seat for their offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi. Yeah, yeah, major yeah. hot seat. And we're going to look now uh, New York Jets at home this week, coming off the bye week against the Washington Redskins. Got a win against the Dolphins, but everyone's been winning against the Dolphins this season in yeah. Wembley Arena uh, two weeks ago before the bye week. Redskins uh, looked a little bit feisty last week against the Atlanta Falcons. I think though more so down to the Falcons. Uh, you know, unwillingness to score. I mentioned, you know, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars have been kicking problems a few weeks ago. Matt Bryant's a very reliable kicker, kicking indoors, missed two field goals in this one, uh, a number of turnovers in this game as well for Matt Ryan last week. So I think that was the Redskins were made to look good more so for what happened with the Falcons than what the, the Redskins done themselves. And the Jets coming off a bye week, going to have time to prepare for this. Kurt Cousins hasn't turned the ball over all that much the last couple of games, but. They're coming. Don't worry, them them turnovers are coming. And, yeah. uh, he did turn it over in the crucial spot last week for a pick six, so I guess yeah, that, sure. that filled his quota for last week. But this week, the Jets, the Jets defense looking very good before the bye week. Sometimes after a bye week, we kind of we forget about the teams. You know, they had their week off, and we don't be talking about their last results. But can't see anything here other than a Jets win at home. They've they've started the season quite well, and I think um, they're going to continue that way. Well, you know, Colm, I take a little bit of a different view than you uh, there on the Redskins. Uh, actually. You know, like everybody else heading into the season, I thought the Redskins were going to be, you know, a 4-12 and disaster. Uh, but you know what? I, I actually think this team is very competitive, and I think they're a good value at the moment in the, in the wide-open NFC East. Uh, they have a good defense. Yeah, You've got to start there. They're, they're top 10 in the league in total defense, top 5 against the run. Uh, so they're salty defensively. Now, as you know, uh, Julio Jones was injured last week. I, I think that could, could have been sort of part of the problem with the Atlanta offense. But you look at the Jets, you know, the Jets are a run-first offense. Now, Fitzpatrick, I'm probably higher than on Fitzpatrick, I think, than most people. And the addition of Brandon Marshall has, has now given the Jets sort of yeah. a, a legit number one wide receiver for the first time in forever. Uh, that being said, this is still not a high-scoring offense by any means. And, and I do believe uh, if a team like the Redskins can really uh, shut down the Jets' rushing attack, you know, Chris Ivory, Bilal Powell and company, uh, I, I think I think six points might be a little bit much in this situation. Uh, Kirk Cousins has been playing better. You alluded to it. Yeah. Uh, the Jets are really good defensively. I'm not going to sit here and try to make an argument for the Washington offense going up and down the field uh, this Sunday because I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but I do think this Redskins defense is going to put up a fight, uh, and I like Washington plus six in this spot. 
Well, uh, my opinion, this game is going to come down to uh, basically what you kind of said. There's going to be the possession battle. The, the Washington Redskins have actually been marching up and down the field, but in very, very slow motion. They've been having very, very long, consistent drives. Mm-hmm. You know, no, like they are having kind of you know eighty-yard drives, sixty-yard drives taken six or seven minutes off the clock they've been winning the time of possession and with that if you don't turn over the ball you're going to win but the problem is if they do turn over the ball if you're trying to have these long sustained drives but like the Kansas City Chiefs if you're turning the ball over then it's going to be very very hard to get points on the board because you're giving the other team a short field as well I'm not the biggest fan of Fitzpatrick uh, but I think he's doing enough to get the job done I think you know Eric Decker's very underrated I think last season he was injured a lot of the season he doesn't really fit that number one wide receiver role but as a number two I think he'll definitely get the job done and I think Chris Ivory's uh, looking to have a very, very strong season. He started it very well. So we're going to disagree on this one. I don't know if I would go all the way to the six points. Uh, but if we were having to go, you know, just make a straight-up pick, I think the Jets win the game. But it's, it could it could be close. The Washington Redskins are keeping games close. But six is a lot. But I think it would be siding with the Jets in this one. Um, okay, well, yeah, I, I think the Jets will probably win the game too. But, you know, my, me and my I'm already in on Washington plus six. So for me, if Washington loses by four, that is a win. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you'll not be uh, complaining too much with a, a four-point loss. Right. So, uh, at the next game up, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they got a win last week, uh, or on Monday Night Football, rather, against the uh, Chargers in San Diego. And I really don't Ooh, know how about they that won game? it. Holy moly. Uh, you know, and I mentioned it on the recap podcast. The decision is still to run the ball. I've been thinking about it throughout the week. The decision to run a shotgun uh, wildcat snap in that last play. T- Tomlin's uh, head would be on the chopping block really this week if that hadn't automated into the end zone. And then we heard after that there was 18 seconds that should have been left on the play clock after uh, the kickoff return to the Steelers on that drive. So they let the play yeah. clock run. So there would have been so much controversy this week, and uh, maybe. Obviously, the, the Chargers would rather if it had no one done, but outside the Chargers fans, I think everyone was saved uh, a lot of listening to a lot of rubbish this week on, on technicalities. But the, the, uh, I hear you. The, uh, but, 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 Colin, what a football player is Le'Veon Bell. Oh, Goodness gracious. Uh, you know, a lot of people were talking fantasy football before the season. Do you pick him number one overall with his two-game suspension? Well, he's come back, he's answered it, and there's there's no doubt. You know, Absolutely. You, you can question who the the second best running back in the NFL is at the moment, but you can't question who the best. He Last week, he was just the whole offense, and he's an absolutely sensational player. I don't think I've seen anyone, even with Adrian Peterson or that, just the way he can cut, the way he can explode out of the break and just make defenders look like absolute morons trying to tackle I agree. He's, he's so big, and you're right. He's a, Some of these guys, like they grasp for him, and he just disappears there. Almost turns his body like Gumby or something. It's, so, so it's really impressive well. to see him. Yeah, very, very, very patient as well. But we'll see. Maybe they'll let him throw the ball this week a little bit too. You might get some <laughs> yards for him. But uh, I thought that's what they were going to set up eventually. They kept going for the wildcat play and letting him run it. I thought there was going to be eventually one where you know they were setting it up to go for a throw, but never, never yeah, materialized. Yeah, yeah. But, um, they got that narrow win. I thought. I think you know they they were lucky to steal that. I don't think they should have won it. I was on the the San Diego side in that game, and overall the, the Chargers really blew that one. But they're playing Arizona at home this week. No Ben Roethlisberger again, but. They have uh, obviously got a win last week, helps balance the books until Ben Roethlisberger gets back, and uh, I think they're going to face a tough one here in Arizona. Looking very, very strong. Carson Palmer looking good. You know, they've really been absolutely blowing teams out. You know, we've been talking about the Patriots and how good they've been, but Arizona have gone on the road in a number of games this season, and I know they played the Bears, and I know they played the Lions, but they're really putting their foot onto the throat of these teams and burying them. Like, you know, they've been taking players out and resting them in the fourth quarter and so on. Then at home, they've been doing the same. They did lose to the Rams, but defensively, the Rams are uh, strong, and they really got up for that game. Uh, they were very strong defensively again against the Packers last week. So I think uh, Arizona, your thoughts on them as a whole? Are you buying into the, the hype around Arizona? Yeah, well, I've been really impressed with Arizona, and I missed on them heading into the season. I thought they would sort of regress a little bit after such a, a great year last year, but uh, I, I was sure wrong. I, I think they're the real deal. Uh, now, I'm sure every Arizona fan holds their breath every time Carson Palmer hits the ground yeah, yeah. because it, they are they are one bad Carson Palmer away fall away from being in trouble like they were last season. Uh, but, you know, this week on the road in Pittsburgh, for some reason this game worries me, and now it doesn't worry me quite enough to take the Steelers, but uh, this, this has the feel of one of these, uh, you know, almost a little bit of a trap game. Yeah. I know the public's been on Arizona all week. And uh, it's just there's it's obviously very very easy to make a case for Arizona in this game, and it's not that easy to make a to make a, a, a logical sounding case for the Mike Vick led Pittsburgh Steelers. And 
You know, Colin, when something looks too good to be true, yeah, I, I just don't like, know. I think it could be a, a dangerous spot this week for the Cardinals. Yeah, I think if Pittsburgh had lost last week, I think you know people will be watching Monday Night Football and seeing them win, and that's going to give them a little bit of hype. So I think maybe that takes away a little bit from the trap element of it. But uh, if you look at the Arizona Cardinals, you know they've had injuries this year, but the players have come back and been phenomenal. You know, when you have Chris Johnson running like he was in 2010, he's you know, yeah. like where has that come from? He got shot in the off season. He's running down the, like you know as quick as you want down the field. He's looking very very good, and then. Andre Ellington comes back in last week after missing a couple of games, uh, gets a 60-yard rushing touchdown, so everything going well for them. Fitzgerald's looking good. Last week was the first week that John Brown really got uh, any big catches, caught a touchdown. I think overall they've been very impressive. Defensively, they're looking... L- l- I, I love that Love that Bruce Arians offense, don't yeah, you? Yeah. All the downfield passing. It's, yeah. it's, in the NFL, it seems like so many teams have gone to sort of the, the modified West Coast or some sort of a short passing game, and it, not many teams go with the seven-step drop, throw it down the field as often as the Arizona Cardinals. Fun to watch. Yeah, it's, uh, maybe this is the anti-Kansas uh, City Chiefs. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but right. w- when you look at it, you mentioned there about the hits that Palmer's taken. Well, with those uh, you know five- and seven-step drops, you're standing behind the line for a long time, and he is getting beat up a lot of the time. So hopefully they just stay away from his knees. I think he's able to take it in around the chest area, but if they start to go anywhere low, I think he could be in trouble. But uh, I'm going to have to, just with the way they're playing, with the points totals they're putting up, you know, they, they've had a couple of games this season where the points total, you know, might be 42, 43, and they're putting up 47 points on their own. So they have that yeah. score and power. Uh, they're putting up big points, and they're getting kind of over 30 points in nearly every game. So I'm going to have to go that way if I was putting money on this game. So an Arizona win for me in this one. Okay, well, I'm going to go with you, but I've got one <laughs> foot out the door. I don't feel that good about it. Uh, next up, uh, I mentioned Tennessee losing a narrow game last week. Well, they're at home this week facing the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins coming off that bye after a devastating loss against the Jets. And new head coach coming in here for them. Really, this decision should have been made in the, the past off season. It's easy to say that now, but I think a lot of people were saying that Philbin shouldn't have got this season uh, You know, with the, with the Dolphins. They've been absolutely atrocious. The line's been atrocious. Ryan Tannehill's regressed. Everything about this team hasn't looked good defensively. We thought they'd be extremely good with Ndamukong and Sue coming in as well, and that just hasn't happened either. They've been very, very poor. So I think maybe you know they'll get that little boost. The new head coach comes in, everyone will be up for this game. They've come off the bye week. They've had a little bit of time to uh, improve. But you know then you hear in the bye week that uh, Campbell, the new coach, has gone and had them do the Oklahoma drill on the first day of practice <laughs> back. And you just hear things like that, and you think, well, maybe maybe this uh, the team isn't going to be playing for this guy. But we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. A lot of people also too talking about you know the fact that Mariota doesn't make mistakes I've heard that on so many shows this last few weeks he doesn't make mistakes but the team is you know one and three for a reason it's not because he doesn't make mistakes it's because they're not making enough plays to get in the end zone so at the end of the day it comes down to that the running game hasn't been good for the Titans the offensive line hasn't been great and defensively has been a mixed bag a very low scoring game last week but you know when they had so much ball last week and they only put up 13 points uh, in that game against Buffalo, and Buffalo really did nothing in it either. I think that's going to be disappointing. Back-to-back home games for them. Uh, do you think the Titans can get a result in this? I, I, I'm finding it very hard. Like, you find it hard to back uh, the, the Jaguars. I find it very hard to ever take any trust in the Tennessee Titans, and I'm, I'm leaning towards Miami as well in this one. Well, you know, uh, I think I lean the Miami side here. Saying that, uh, the t- Titans have impressed me this year. I thought they were going to be really bad heading into the season. And you mentioned their record, but they've been very, very competitive. Should have beaten Indianapolis. Really blew that game. Uh, certainly could have won last week. Uh, yeah, so, so certainly could have won last week. So, so I, uh, I, I'm not. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, for some reason, I, I think there might be something with the Titans that I'm missing now. But, but I'm with you. A, a, a team that has has looked like they've looked over the past couple of years with a rookie quarterback. Uh, they, they certainly don't have my trust. Now, it's hard for the Dolphins to have anybody's trust me. What, what, what a wild card they are at this point. Yeah. Uh, now, you mentioned a few minutes ago, Colin, that you're one of the one of the few remaining Alex Smith believers out there, or Alex Smith defenders, yeah. and I will say that I am one of the few remaining Ryan Tannehill defenders Oh, well, out there. I, I, I'm with you. Okay, yeah, well, good, good. Then you and me, then, because let me tell you, there's a lot of people lining up against us these days yeah. uh, thinking that, that he's just a, a wide receiver playing quarterback. Of course, he was a wide receiver for a time at A&M. But I, I think Tannehill, I still think Tannehill has a bright future. Uh, I think uh, when the offense is in now, Bill Lazor's offense, uh, when it gets rolling and when it looks good, I, I think it can look very good, and, and he can look uh, very efficient in it. We certainly haven't seen that yet this year. 
Uh, and the one thing I was about to uh, cut you off there when you were saying there's been no bright spots for the Dolphins this year, let's get a positive word for Jarvis Landry. Let <laughs> oh, me tell oh, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. that man can play ball. They, they put him all over the field. Uh, obviously returns punts for him as well. He's targeted about 12 times a game. Tannehill just tries his hardest to feed him the ball. And he's quite a football player, Jarvis Landry. Uh, I, I do lean towards the Dolphins here, but, yeah, I, I don't feel good about this game for two reasons. Number one, I feel I've sort of underestimated Tennessee all year. And number two, again, the Dolphins, such a wild card right now. Would I be surprised if they came out and won this game by 30? No. Would I be surprised if they came out and lost this game by 30? No. Yeah, well, when we talk about the Dolphins, you know, you mentioned teams that earlier that you picked at the start of the season to do well. I thought this team was going to be challenging the New England Patriots for the division, and maybe I still have a little bit of hope that they're going to improve. But when you look at the pieces they have on offense, and you mentioned Landry, the, Rashid Matthews has been playing well. They haven't got Kenny Stills involved at all, really, onto that game in Wembley. Lamar Miller in the backfield hasn't done anything. Jordan Cameron hasn't done anything. They have too many pieces to be doing so poorly, and I think at some point it has to really... They have to have a game or two where they're really going to click into gear, and you know, a new coach coming in, I don't think that there's any realistic possibility that Campbell's going to be their head coach next season, so he goes in maybe, I know he's probably auditioning for further down the line, but hell, let's go for it and let's try and get a win, so I'm going to I'm going to jump onto the Miami side this week, I think I will be taking All right. the points with well, 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 I'll, I'll tentatively join you once again, and I'll, I'll tell you this, you say you still hold out some hope for them challenging New England, if that happens, you can bet that Dan Campbell's going to be in Miami <laughs> yeah. for quite a while. Yeah, that's true as well. I don't think I would go as far as them challenging for the division, but maybe they can pick up a few wins in a row. I just, I, I like sure. a lot about this team, and I picked them at the start of the season. And I guess when we're talking about picking teams at the start of the season, I'm going to jump straight on to a team that I picked to represent the AFC in the, the Super Bowl this coming season. And uh, let's just say that's not happening in tw- 2015 or 2016 in February. But it's the Baltimore Ravens. They're traveling to the San Francisco 49ers. I thought big things for this Baltimore Ravens team, although losing Terrell Suggs was a real blow for them. But they have been very, very tough to watch uh, losing last week to the Browns. The San Francisco 49ers showing a little bit of life last week when they were playing uh, against the Giants. Then that second half, they kind of started to, we mentioned taking the reins off some of the teams. I thought they let a they let Kaepernick play a little bit more of his game, trying to throw it deeper down the field, letting him run a little bit, and uh, I think they looked a little bit better as the game progressed, but they did lose to the Giants. Uh, the, the Ravens here are two point two and a half point favourites in this one on the road. What the season they're having, I don't think they really have any right to be a two and a half point favourite in this one, but uh, would you agree with the, the layers on this one, or would you be going for the, the points? With I'll the tell you what, I, I like the home dog here, and yeah. I, I know this is two bad teams, but Baltimore's secondary is just ridiculously bad this year. Yeah, I mean, yes, yeah. they've, they've struggled on offense. They haven't been able to get after the quarterback. Terrell Suggs, that loss is hurt, no doubt about it. But, I mean, I thought heading into last week that, that it couldn't sink any lower for the Baltimore secondary. And then they allowed 457 passing yards to Josh McCown. I mean, and, and his I mean his no-name uh, cast of wide receivers, I mean, uh, and and what I, you'd be just as surprised, I guess, if, if Kaepernick were to – Put up those type of numbers this week, but you know Tory Smith, the ex-Raven, is going to want—he's going to want to get him some against his old team. Uh, and as we tape this, I know now Steve Smith is still officially questionable. I will feel a lot better about this pick once Steve Smith is ruled out for the game. Uh, this is the game I'm playing on this week. I am on San Francisco, both on the money line and plus two and a half. Uh, but like I said, I, you know, I, I I won betting against the Ravens last week. Uh, Cleveland won that game outright, obviously and felt really good once I found out that Steve Smith was going to be ruled out because when you look at this Baltimore offense minus Smith, yeah. I mean, Joe Flacco is really not working with a whole lot. Yeah, and they had Taliaferro put on uh, IR at running back yes, this week. Yes, Taliaferro's and, gone and, now and, too. And uh, yeah. Justin Forsett, you know, the starter for them, he's questionable as well. So him coming, he's coming in, even if he plays, coming in with a little bit of a niggle. So we'll see how it goes. I just, I'm not sold now on the Baltimore Ravens. have completely jumped off the bandwagon. Well, uh, it's it, nothing wrong with jumping off the bandwagon, right? We, we yeah. got to, each, each week we always got to reevaluate by God because we're always wrong so much. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> you know, what you mentioned about McCowan last week. Well, I would be less surprised if Colin Kaepernick uh, put up those stats this week, uh, but Colin Kaepernick had a fall from grace from a couple of years ago when he was lighting up the Green Bay Packers on regular occasions, and uh, I just I wasn't predicting you know at this stage that he would have dropped off as far. But I think we'll see him have a good game this week, and I'm going for a 49ers win at home. A game you know I've mentioned uh, I've picked a lot of underdogs so far as I thought I would do on this show, but the next game up and I'm going for the underdog again here, and it's uh, the Carolina Panthers up in Seattle against the Seattle Seahawks. Marshawn Lynch expected to play. He's probable. Uh, you know Thomas Rawls had a monster game last week. They lost on the road. 
to Cincinnati. When you look at the amount of fourth quarter games that the Seahawks have lost, if you actually look over the last couple of years, you know, you'd think that they were seeing these games out and getting the wins, but they aren't. They're losing a lot of fourth quarter games, late in games, when you'd expect a team like Seattle with the defense they have to, to see it out. Uh, lost last week on the road. I know they're a different team at home, but the Carolina Panthers coming off the bye week. Cam Newton is really uh, not making too many mistakes this season. I've been very impressed with his play. And although they don't have many weapons on the outside, you know they've been getting the job done a lot with Greg Olson and uh, then the occasional deep shot to Ted Ginn Jr. But um, then uh, I think I'm going to have to go with the seven points here for the Carolina Panthers. Do you think uh, they could possibly cause an upset here in Seattle? I think I'm going to have to disagree with you here, Colin. Oh. <laughs> uh, I, I agree. You know, you're right about Seattle as far as they've had some trouble in the fourth quarter, uh, more trouble than you'd think in, in recent years. I just don't think this is going to be a four-quarter game. As a matter of fact, I think this game could get ugly. Uh, the Carolina Panthers, uh, I believe this is the uh, undefeated team that is most sort of overrated and right. right. When you look at who they've beaten, I mean, they have beaten absolutely nobody. And, and it's, it's not their fault. I mean, you, you, you play, the, play the teams in front of you, obviously. schedule. Uh, yeah, but but you, you look at their offense. You mentioned it as far as nothing on the outside after Benjamin went down preseason. I mean, only three teams this season are averaging fewer pass yards per game. I know that because I wrote about this game this morning. But, uh, <laughs> you know, 180-some-odd yards per game Carolina's producing. Legion of Boom secondary at home. Seattle's 2-3. and three. I mean, nobody thought that the Seahawks team was going to be 2-3 and three through five weeks. So they're obviously going to be hungry and motivated. Uh, facing it, t- I-, I think it's going to be very similar to the Seahawks' previous two games uh, this year. I believe they've allowed ten combined points in the two home games. I think they played what the Bears and the Lions yeah, wasn't yeah. at home. Uh, you-, you know, I-, I think it's going to be very similar to that. I think the Carolina offense is going to be on lockdown the whole game, and something like twenty to three wouldn't surprise me at all. I think Seattle rolls here. Uh, when you mentioned though that Lions game, would that not worry a little bit? We talked about how bad the Lions have been this year, and they came within a whisker of actually winning that game. I'd right. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to bet my firstborn on it, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, I, I, all things considered, uh, like I said, I, I think the Panthers really overrated right now. Uh, now, it, in full disclosure, I have lost betting against the Panthers twice this year, so this will not be the first time that I'm putting this theory to the test on Carolina. Uh, but uh, in, in, on the road in Seattle, uh, with the offense they have right now in Carolina, I am just not seeing it. I like to see how it's big here. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, earlier in the show as well, you mentioned uh, Torrey Smith going up against the Baltimore Ravens. I meant to mention it at the time, but uh, he's only had 11 targets, I believe, on the season through those first five games, and uh, you know you sign him as a big free agent. <laughs> Maybe that wasn't the best decision for the, the 49ers, and I don't think it's anything to do with Torrey Smith's ability. I think he's a fantastic deep threat. I just think he doesn't mesh into this offense uh, at all. And uh, we'll see. Maybe he gets more than eleven targets in one game this week as they try and force feed him against the Baltimore Ravens. Next game, yeah, it, it could be a situation like uh, Andre Johnson last week versus the Texans, right? Yeah, I forgot he was still playing football, but uh, we'll see him disappear again <laughs> this week, I'm sure. Uh, the, 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 I suppose we'll jump to his game now. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts facing the New England Patriots. Andrew Luck seems to be probable for this one at the time of recording. He's missed the last couple of games, and you know as strange as it sounds to say this, John, uh, maybe they looked better with Matthew Hasselbeck and the team. Hasselbeck. Whoa, whoa, sacrilege! No, but getting the ball out quick. You know, Luck. We mentioned with uh, Carson Palmer taking the big hits when he's waiting on those uh, you know five step drops. Well, Andrew Luck loves to try and make that big play downfield to T.Y. Hilton or that and. Sometimes, you know, just maybe holding on a little bit too long, there's no harm in that quick pass out and not taking the big hit. He's taking a lot of big hits. I'm a huge, huge believer in Andrew Luck, but you just think long-term, maybe try and get the ball out a little bit quicker from time to time. He's going to be playing the New England Patriots. They've had no success against the Patriots uh, over the last couple of years. You'll remember Jonas Gray in this fixture, I think it was two years ago, had... Did he run for 600 yards, I think, in the one game and 10 touchdowns? (laughs) But no, four touchdowns in that game for Jonas Gray. He's now with the Miami Dolphins, so maybe he sparks the Dolphins into life this week. But New England lighting teams up for fun, came off the bye last week, and really I don't even think had to try all that much to dispose of the Dallas Cowboys. How impressed have you been with New England so far, and have you any lean towards taking the, uh, the Indianapolis Colts in this one? Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, how could you not be uh, so impressed with New England so far? Yeah, they clearly look like the best team in the league. Uh, Tom Brady does look like, uh, just like some people predicting preseason, that he was going to come out with sort of a chip on his shoulder because of all the deflate gate stuff. That appears to be exactly what has happened. That being said, 
column eight, and eight is the line that I have seen. That is a whole lot of points yeah. to be given Indianapolis Colts at home, obviously. Uh, Andrew Luck making his return, primetime situation. That is too many points for my liking. Uh, I, I would lean towards New England on the money line here, though, but uh, I, I like Indianapolis plus eight. I think this game is going to be a little bit more competitive than that. Yeah, and I've even seen some places leaking it up, you know, nine and a half towards ten at times. So. Really, really? Yeah, so, uh, you know, if it's up that high, you're going to have to really go with the dog. And, you know, the, the Indianapolis Colts at home and with the talent they have on offense, you know, I mentioned the Dolphins, you know, clicking it I, into I would be stunned, stunned if this line gets up to double digits uh, or, or it, it, I'd, I'd be stunned if it's double digits uh, by the time the game rolls around, but hey, yeah. I've been surprised before Yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, even up around the 8 points, once you get over that touchdown, I think you're going to have to roll with Indianapolis on this game but, uh, well actually I'm going to go completely against uh, probably everyone listening to the show, maybe you as well I'm not going to there's always a surprise every week, and I'm going to just nudge towards... I don't think I'll put any money on it, but I'm going to take a, a, a little shot here and take the uh, Indianapolis Colts to upset the New England Patriots this week. Oh, come on. That's no fun. You ought to say you're betting half a next month's salary on it. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to drop it all on it now. That's right. We'll see how the early games go. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. You're not fooling anybody, Colin. Yeah. Uh, next game up, uh, there's two games to go. I think we'll go with the, the game of the week, obviously, with the best team in the NFL playing, and it's the Green Bay Packers. No doubt uh, that everyone agrees with me on that. They're ten. Oh, yeah, the best team in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> well, they haven't really looked the best team in the NFL the last two games where they've struggled offensively against the, the 49ers, firstly, and then they struggled last week against the Rams. But the Rams, uh, you know, no, no per side on defense, very, very strong. They're putting a lot of pressure on uh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, obviously, we all know he hadn't thrown a pick at Lambeau Field in a long, long time. Two picks last week, one fumble, so three turnovers. Hopefully he'll keep the ball clean this week, and uh, I would expect it to go back that way. He's playing the Chargers. The Chargers, you know, the defense did not look all that uh, impressive against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers last week and the Packers. I think, you know, it's rare that they go with low-scoring points totals over two weeks like they did in the last two games. I think they'll do better offensively this week. But just my question in this game would be, uh, how impressed have you been with the, the Green Bay defense so far? Well, the Green Bay defense certainly been better than I thought it was going to be. I thought that was going to be a real weak spot for them this year. I thought they're going to be just flat bad on that side of the ball, and they haven't been, as you know, Colin. And I've also been impressed with the offense. You know, I thought the loss of Jordy Nelson yeah. was going to turn it into more of sort of a dink and dunk thing. I really thought that that would that would hurt the offense more than it has. I mean, it, it, I know they might not be quite up to their uh, standard of last season when they really got it rolling, but I tell you what. They're not too far behind. Aaron Rodgers still looks like he has it under control. Uh, all that being said, uh, look, I like Phillip Rivers too, and I think the Chargers have a good offense. I think San Diego's going to go in there and score some points. I'd be very surprised if they snuck off with the upset, but 10.5 is yeah, yeah. what I've seen this game at, yeah. and that is just too many in my opinion. Uh, it could be one of those games, I think, where Green Bay has a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter. And, you know, uh, uh, River scores a garbage-time touchdown for the backdoor cover. Something like that wouldn't surprise me at all. So I actually lean towards San Diego and the points here. Yeah, the last three weeks, San Diego have cost me uh, on three uh, parlay bets, so I'm going to definitely not be going with them. I don't think I'll be taking the Packers, though, ten and a half points a lot. Phillip Rivers playing excellent this season. The, the, the reason the Chargers aren't with a better record isn't down to Phillip Rivers. He's playing exceptional. Their offensive line has been pretty much atrocious and I heard a stat. I think it was actually during Monday Night Football that they've only ever in the history of their franchise drafted one offensive lineman in the first round. And you know, With all the talent that they've had in that team, you would think they would invest more in that offensive line over the years. Um, I think that is the big issue here. I think. Yeah, I saw that graphic. Are yeah. you talking about that graphic where they they filtered through all the offensive linemen? That was a cool graphic. Right? Yeah, I think it was sixty-eight, maybe just a sixty-something anyway that they've had, and uh, yeah. that's only in the last three years. So you know, it's been pretty pretty nasty in the the offensive line side of things for them. But uh, I think you know Clay Matthews, Julius Peppers, will get a lot of pressure on Rivers in this one. I think the Packers will get the win, but I think the ten and a half points is a lot. The last last game of the week now, the New York Giants against the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles and around that three and a half, four point favorite in this one, and it's in Philadelphia. Uh, I had the Giants, uh, the over in that Giants game for a long time. It didn't look like it was going to come true on uh, Sunday Night Football, but it did eventually come true. But when you look now at this game, the Giants, I think they've been a lot better than people have uh, thought this season. The only thing, Odell Beckham probable with a hamstring injury, so if he missed out in this game, it would be a big, big loss to them. Uh, what side are you on in this one, John? Uh, well, look, I, I like the Giants here. I mean, I, I'm I'm still 
the Eagles, it, it's really puzzling to me, and I know they got the, the running game going a little bit uh, – not a little bit. I know they got the running game going against the Saints. Of course, everybody gets their offense going against the Saints, it seems like. But heading into the season, you know, I thought Philadelphia, when you look at, at, at what they had personnel-wise, obviously getting rid of Macklin, they have a receiving core where Jordan Matthews is their best receiver, and then, you know, a rookie in Nelson Aguilar, and then what? You know, Riley Cooper? Yeah. Uh, but they, they spent so much on that backfield and has such a talented backfield uh, in, obviously, DeMarco Murray and Ryan Matthews, and Sproles has shown that he still has plenty left. I would have thought Chip Kelly was going to try to sort of zig where everyone else zagged. And in the NFL where you see just it's more and more pass-heavy, based on what they had heading into the season, I thought Chip Kelly was going to come out and just try to create a running machine and the Eagles going to run for 250 yards a game and only throw it 20 times. And that's just been totally wrong. Actually, the Eagles, they've become more pass-first than ever. Uh, The bread and butter of their offense right now is the short passing game. Uh, and I just don't think that their personnel uh, matches up for, for that type of uh, system. So I, I still don't really like what the Eagles are doing right now. I do think the Giants are a little underrated, uh, even though Eli Manning, for my money, might be the most unreliable, certainly not the worst, might be the most unreliable quarterback in the league. You just never know which guy is going to show up. Uh, but I do like the Giants and the points in that game. Yeah, and if you look at the, the record they've had in recent years on the road, they've actually probably been better on the road than they have been at home. You'll remember the year they won the Super Bowl. Uh, then I just I have, I have a lot of faith in Eli Manning on the road, and I'm going to have to take the Giants in this one. I think overall, I think they have the better team. I just have not been impressed with the Eagles. They've been a major letdown this season so far, but uh, I'm, go- I'm going with the Giants on this one. The OTI Lock of the Week. Just like John, when you're looking back through the games off the week, is there any game in particular that you know you think uh, this is the one that I like? Have you a lock of the week this week? Uh, well, no, I, I probably wouldn't say anything that strong. I, I guess Cleveland might be my favorite game mm. of the week. Uh, I, 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 but you know, it's it's not. I certainly wouldn't label that a lock. I mean, you got a, a, a <laughs> two and three team facing a, an undefeated Denver Broncos yeah, team. Yeah. Uh, but I do have a strong feeling about that game. I will be playing on uh, Cleveland plus four. Also, you know, a few of the other games we talk about, I like Washington this week. I like the Seattle Seahawks. I know we're on different sides there. Uh, but I, I, I think I might have to go with Cleveland, Colin. How about you? Yeah, well, that was a game looking through the fixtures that I was uh, thinking about. But I suppose you went for that. I'm going to go for a different one. And uh, right. I'm, I'm going for the, the 49ers. And I'm going to take them on the money line to win this week, I think, straight up. I think they beat the, uh, the Baltimore Ravens in this one. And uh, I think that could be good value for the week. So I think that's the one that I'm going to... Uh, go towards and uh, hopefully this week John as always hopefully I know we disagreed on some of them but hopefully we come out on the one inside uh, absolutely and I'll tell you what I'll I'll be rooting for your game of the week there because I'll be on the 49ers as well so Uh, I hope you're right and uh, usually usually I'm betting in euros you're betting in dollars but now with me being Australia (laughs) I'm betting on dollars too a different type of dollar but uh, ah there you go there you go sir that's right hopefully we make a couple of dollars each this week but uh, just before we finish up have you anything John uh, you want to give a quick plug to BetDAC anything going on Oh, that's okay, Colm. You know, you can always follow me on Twitter, at BetDeckNFL, and uh, check check the work every week at BetDeck Tips. We're also doing a podcast on The Social Gambler. And, it, again, Colm, I, I really appreciate you uh, having me on here. I, I always enjoy you guys' show. You do a great job. Thanks a lot, John. As always, thanks, everyone, for tuning into the show. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. As always, follow us on Twitter. It's at Overtime Ireland, and uh, give us a written or a comment on iTunes. Stitcher tune in. And uh, uh, finishing up recording this, I'm off to the zoo, so uh, probably different than John, but uh, hopefully you've all had a good week. Hopefully <laughs> I'm off to the beach. Hopefully you're all going to enjoy the uh, the week as well and get some good NFL action. Hopefully if you are betting, if you're following me and John's advice, hopefully you make some money. And, uh, until I'm back with the recap show on Monday, of course, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.